entrepreneur so I'm born that brew. You are now listening to the Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Adam McChesney. Let's grow! Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Adam McChesney, and I want to thank you for being here. If you're listening, please be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We'd love for you to share this on social media by tagging me and our guests, and this way we can get this content out to more people. We're live here at Half Coast Studios in St. Louis for another in-person episode. Today's guest is someone I've known for over a year. We originally got connected somehow on Facebook. I don't really remember. Met at a networking event, and then I had a chance to sit down with him and his wife for coffee. I've been able to work hand in hand with him and his team for his services, which he'll go into. He's also had us do their website, and he's been able to accomplish so much in this last year. It's truly incredible to watch the growth for him in all areas of his life, not just business, as well as what he's doing with his companies. My guest today is Tannen Sweet. He is the co-owner and COO of Samson Studios. Tannen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's it's really cool being able to sit here. Like I said off record, like to sit here with you and watch how much growth you have done this year yeah. and the fact that we've grown as well. It's, it's, it's cool. It's amazing, man. And when you uh, surround yourself with the right people, good things happen, you know, yeah, and you do the work. It's really, it's really cool feeling knowing it's like, Hey, you know, I'm not just watching someone else grow. Yeah. I'm growing with that individual. I'm watching their content. I'm learning from their content. I'm learning from what they're doing. Mm. And I'm growing as well. So feeling like you can be in the room with someone and you're both winning. Mm-hmm. It's such a remarkable, like, underdog feeling. Yeah. You know? Oh, no, it definitely is. And I'm excited to dig into your story. Obviously, I know a lot about it, but I think the audience is going to really resonate with just what you've had to overcome to get to this point. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where things started, kind of where you're at today, and all those good things in between. Um, So I'm from Florida originally, uh, was adopted, and I left home when I was a teenager. I mean, I was 13, 14 when I left home to find my biological mom in Ohio Mm. and didn't end up bonding with her, and I like spent my youth homeless but traveling the world so it's like hey everyone was like hey you know it's really cool that you're doing this and it looked like such a flex but i was just living my life going different places Mm. um after ohio i lived in maine for a bit went back down to ohio jumped around made it out to colorado um really kind of hit everywhere in between um my life was i was pretending to be an australian okay (laughs) <laughs> um, and I did that as like a defense because I came from a really crazy situation in Florida and I tried talking to adults about it mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, well, we know the person that you're talking about. There's no way that they did that. Mm-hmm. Like my adopted father. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I can't run from it. And then they started making Facebook posts and weird posts like, oh, well, if you ever run into him, he's lying about this. So I went by an alias mm-hmm. and I went by an Australian accent. I ran into some Australians on my way from Florida up to Ohio, and I hitchhiked, and they were the nicest people. They all worked at this McDonald's in uh, Brandon, Georgia, Okay. and they're like, hey, you know, like I just went in there for a burger, mm-hmm. and they're like, you know, we're, they're all college students. They're like, hey, you can come live with us for a bit until you can figure it out. We get what you're going through, and I lived with them for almost a year, and they're like, hey. You need to talk like us. Just <laughs> pretend you're one of us and have us on Facebook. Everybody will. You'll be back. You'll be good. Yeah. And it was such a cool thing. Uh. So then I hit a fake accent. And I mean, I got it down. Like uh, The only person who ever really called me on it was Sierra. Okay. <laughs> and I did it for the next like 
six to seven years with a clear conscience. Wow. Because I knew I wasn't trying to hurt anyone. Yeah. I mean, I was eat, sleep, drinking this fake accent. Mm. Everything I did was, it was a fake story. I didn't know how to open up about who I was. And I didn't think anybody would be interested. Mm. Because on my way from Florida up to Georgia, I tried getting help from various people. And they told me to go back home, that I was entitled. Mm. That I just left home. I was some spoiled little kid and needed to go back home to mommy and daddy. And that was heartbreaking. So I'm like, okay, you know, I tried connecting with individuals and talking about my story and getting help. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, well, go back home. Mm. So there wasn't really much of an option there. So I fake Australian did, and it kept me alive. Mm. You know, I would do it to have a place to stay for a night because everyone wanted to be friends with the Australian guy, especially if, like, you made a joke. Like yeah. an Australian joke. I'm not really Australian. I'm not going to be offended. Yeah. And I just laughed with you. And they're like, oh, hey, we're friends. Wow, he didn't get offended. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and it didn't really catch up to me, like consciously, until I was in Choctaw, Oklahoma. Um, I'll show you after. I got a I got bit by a rattlesnake. And it was Durant, Oklahoma. We were always working as a carny. Literally just selling those rides that you can't, uh, Mm -hmm. selling those games you can't win. Yeah, yeah. And I got bit by a rattlesnake. And it was absolutely insane. I didn't know what I was going to do from that point. I thought I was going to die. The people that I was with, with Carnies, like the friends, they Mm -hmm. dipped because they had to call an ambulance. They had warrants. Um, So this guy ends up taking me to the hospital. And he sits with me because he hears my accent going in and out Mm -hmm. the entire time. He's like, I know that's not your real voice. I want you to come back with me. So after I got out of the hospital, I sat with him and stayed with him for about a month on Choctaw territory. And I ended up doing plant medicine, ayahuasca, and I did it for six days. In the morning, I would do it. I was blindfolded, and it was uh, like a, you were somewhere else. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then I, I'm not sure if you've ever experienced anything like it. I haven't, no. So at first, it's just like a trip. Mm-hmm. But the second time you do it, it starts getting a little scary. And then the third time you do it, you like everything that you've subconsciously done that you like if you have a guilt about, mm-hmm. it comes forward. It comes forward to the like front. Mm. And I faced it. And they're like, you're going to die a fake Australian. And no one's going to know who you are. They're not even going to be able to ID you. And they're not going to be able to tell anyone that you're gone. And anyone that they might be able to get notified, they're going to be like, well, that sucks. Mm. What do we do? And then move on. And at that point, I was about uh, 180 pounds. I was on amphetamines, you know, just living my life, partying. I started gaining weight like crazy. Mm. I started letting myself go. I got rid of the carny life and started living in other places and building relationships, but still moving. And every time I would do it from that point on, it would hurt me. Mm. Like it was like a part of me was lost at that place because I was trying to find who I was. And I'd get so close to telling people who I was authentically. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't. Mm. I couldn't bear that fear of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Or even what if they didn't like me? What if they didn't accept my story? Mm-hmm. You know? I spent so long running away from people when I actually was innocent of something. I started lying. Mm. And then that became my identity. The fake hobbies that I had as an Australian, that wasn't my real hobbies. I had no hobbies. I had no interests mm-hmm. other than just surviving, pretending to be this person who could surf, who could tattoo, who could do all of these crazy things. 
And I'm sure a lot of people saw through it, mm -hmm. you know? But I hurt people mm -hmm. by lying. And I did it. I was in Tennessee. I was working at an elephant sanctuary in Hohenwald. And right after that, you know, I made some really good friends. And I'm still friends with some of them. I've opened up about it. And they're mm -hmm. like, we knew it. <laughs> we knew it somehow. We didn't know how to prove it, but we knew it. Yeah. Um, but I left from there and started traveling as a project manager for a third-party Home Depot company, like stock building the shelves mm -hmm. that you would see in Home Depot. Mm -hmm. And then I was Australian on the road, just traveling. Um, did that all the way up until Missouri. Uh, my buddy was dating this girl who was batshit crazy, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Excuse mm -hmm. my language. Mm -hmm. Um, she was crazy and he ended up, he was married. I didn't know he was married and he's like my project manager on these jobs. Mm. She messages me like, Hey, did you know he was married? I had no clue. So we end up talking, we end up reconnecting and she's like, Hey, you know, you're up in Chicago right now, but why don't you come live with me in Missouri? You know, and we'll see what happens. You know, I got a cool basement area. I sublease and I'm like, you know what? I, I need a break. Maybe I can open up to this person. So she didn't have a cool basement. She had a room in a basement, and she had picked up a cat a few days beforehand, and there was a lazy boy in the middle of the room. Mm. The room smelled like cat pee. I'm like, well, I, I made my bed, and now I have to lie in it. Yeah. This is bad. Mm -hmm. um, the landlord didn't know I was there, and the landlord's wife didn't know I was there. She snuck me in, even though she said that they thought said it was okay. And I found out that my girlfriend, Finn, she was sleeping with the landlord. And me and the landlord's wife found out. But we ended up bonding and connecting because the landlord, he wanted her, the wife, to be cool with me being there so he could keep doing what he was doing with this woman. Hmm. But me and her ended up connecting and, you know, calling them on their stuff. Yeah. And then we started having crazy feelings for each other. And then she knew I wasn't Australian. So she would call me on it every now and then and I would ignore it. And she ended up getting a divorce mm. because she proved everything was going on. And I left and I moved to Alaska. <laughs> and I lived in Anchorage, Alaska for about, um, from the dead winter to the m middle of summer. Mm. Came back in June of 2019 because I missed her and I did DMT out in Alaska and I remembered being on Choctaw and knowing that Choctaw was my love and that was Sierra. Mm. So she's Choctaw, Native American and mm. it's a definite God connect I ignored for a long time mm. but I ended up coming back in 2019. Mm. So from that point I worked at a gym, worked at Walmart, bounced around from job to job because I'm still facing this I have to become a person, mm -hmm. not a fake Australian. And mm -hmm. I had to tell her everything. So I'm trying to figure out who I am and all these jobs suck. Mm. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. um, but she ends up getting me a camera for Father's Day in 2019. No, no, 2020, she got me a camera for Father's Day. And I started taking photos, doing family photos, learning from it. And... I'm like, you know, I want to go to school. I want to learn film. But I didn't graduate college. I had uh, warrants out because I was driving without a license everywhere. And I wasn't ready to go. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having to fix all of that 
just to contact the school that I wanted to go to named Full Sail University. And I'm like, hey, you know, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. How do I get a scholarship? I'm a Caucasian, heterosexual, able-bodied man. There were not a lot of scholarships. Where we lived at in Troy, it wasn't a poverty area. Mm. So there weren't many scholarships they could throw at me. So this was still going to cost $150,000, like minimum, for mm. me to go to this school to learn from like the best. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, damn, I did all of these things just to like hit this roadblock. Mm. So I Google Full Sail University president, find his name, his name's Gary Jones. Gary Jones, contact info. And there's a website called Rocket Reach, I'm not plugging them at all, <laughs> but it's absolutely a gem of a website. Um, I got a free trial and I typed in his name and his contact information popped up. And I'm like, you know what? I'll try texting it. And it popped up blue. So I knew it was an iPhone. So I laid it out. I'm like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. I'm sorry for reaching out to you at 11 o'clock at night. It's 12 o'clock in Florida if you do live there. Um, this is what I want to do. This is what's stopping me. How can I do this? And then I sent him some of my work. And he got back to me the next day. He's like, I don't know how you got my number. This blows me away. No one's ever messaged me. Um, I am blown away that you have this much commitment to this, that you messaged me. And the worst thing I said, I'm like, the worst thing you can tell me is no. Yeah. So I ended up talking to him on the phone. He said, give me about a month to see what I can figure out. And a month and a half goes by. We're sitting outside. I had like, you know what? I guess I'll just try to find a St. Louis film school. Mm-hmm. There was one and there was Webster University. And I get a call from the school. They're like, hey, we need to figure out your enrollment stuff. And I'm like, well, how much is it going to cost me? They're like, oh, he signed off on a full scholarship. <laughs> so I got to go and experience film school. And I even went to the school in person, met the president. Um, it was insane. Like this school teaches you the best of the best. And the people who leave this school, they work for Marvel. They work for Disney. Mm. They work for all the movie places that we see. Mm-hmm. And... At the time, I just wanted to be a videographer. And then I start moving out of that role as of soon as of this year. Mm. Um, I started realizing I wanted to be a producer. Mm. I wanted to, I was really good at connecting with people because I spent my whole life doing it and yeah. learning from different cultures, different places. I knew what to expect. So I started embracing that role and bam, we landed a $20,000 deal. <laughs> like just a initial startup investment for a documentary that we're doing. And I'm like, wow. So then I start connecting with a local film union here in the St. Louis area. Mm-hmm. And I meet these crazy dudes like Hezekiah. You don't know who these people are, but they're big people in our film industry out in St. Louis, which is kind of like anonymous. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of people know about it. It's mm-hmm. kind of slept on. So I connect to them and I'm like, hey, I'm working on this documentary and I want to know how much do you like need per day? So we connect, and he's like, you know, twelve fifty a day. My lighting guy seven fifty a day. Our audio guy's four hundred. I didn't waver, and this is just like a like five six months ago. I was like done. Wrote them checks that same day. Took them out to ice cream after we were done working, and it really established a good connection because then I just had a bunch of film people messaging me and talking to me, and I'm like, wow, this is what I'm good at. Mm. The second I stopped trying to impress people was the second I started making progress. Mm. 
and it was progress for me. It was progress as like the person I wanted to identify as. And it's crazy how linear time is, but experience doesn't happen just through time. Experience can happen if you are fast learning, fast evolving, because you don't have another choice. Like mm. if you're in a survival state, mm -hmm. you learn quick. Yeah. And it feels like each day is a month. Mm. Yeah. And you don't have a choice. Mm -hmm. So that's it in a nutshell. I went from that survival to learning how to thrive and learning how to build people. Instead of being the center of attention, instead of being the one who wanted to do all of these crazy things, actually taking the baby steps mm. and finding the people I wanted to connect with. And that's what my mission is now, is just bringing faith to the forefront of the film industry right here in the Midwest. And we recently changed our company name from Starseed to Samson Studios. And I mean, you know that story. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that should speak in itself. Dude, that's an incredible story. So I thought I knew some of your story. I didn't know like much more than like 10% of that. So that's a lot of things, like a lot of questions are just like coming through my Please. head and all those different things. So like, where did you like, obviously like it starts from like you wanting to like get away from home. It starts to you just like, hey, I just want to get out of here. I don't know what's going to happen, but like I know I don't want to be here. What are some lessons that like you've obviously learned? Cause like what I'm trying to figure out as well as like a husband and as a father and entrepreneur and myself is like, sometimes I think we, we, we strive for what do we want? Right. But we're so fixated on like, what do we want? Sometimes we just need to figure out what we don't want. And I'm sure you like learn stuff from that experience and like going away and like what your situation was there that you're like, when I'm a father, when I'm a husband, I don't want that. What are like some of those things that you're like, man, I just, I just like, I didn't want to be this person because of what I learned. Well, I, I didn't want to be fake anymore. And mm -hmm. I didn't even like, I wasn't being inauthentic six months ago when I was sitting down and connecting with, you know, individuals like you, but I was still in a survival state. Sure. And it was really hard knowing how to pull myself out of that. Mm -hmm. And it took a really long time and it took a lot of patience for my wife. I didn't want my kids, I wanted to have authentic relationships with individuals. And sure. I felt like if I couldn't be authentic with myself, I wasn't giving my my partner the most authentic me. I wasn't giving my children the most authentic me. Mm. And I was, af I was afraid I wouldn't leave anything behind, even noteworthy. Even if I was just your average individual working a nine to five, I wasn't going to leave anything noteworthy other mm. than, well, he lied most of his life. Sure. So it's like legacy, obviously driven. Like I want to have, yeah. I want to leave something behind, but I want to leave something behind more than just like tangible things. Mm -hmm. mm, powerful. I know, you know, obviously the transition that I've even just seen you make like over this last year, right? I think like a lot of it, of course, is like personal growth, of course, based on your story. But like, how have you viewed business differently? over this past year from like when you and I first met. Cause I think that's probably like one of the biggest changes that I've seen is just like your ability to adapt and see things differently. I learned that people are actual individuals. They're not assets. <clears throat> they are actual people with feelings. And I was so busy hoping that, you know, one connection would boost me. 
Mm. You know, just knowing the right person, sitting down and explaining my story, saying, hey, I deserve this because I've been through all of this and having a sense of entitlement despite having nothing. Sure. I was trying to use people as assets mm. and I was trying to walk big into the rooms. Like when even earlier this year, I think in May or March, maybe April, I walked into Apex with that asset mentality and mm. I was just trying to make money and I wasn't trying to be greedy. I was just trying to provide for my family. Mm. That's all I wanted to do. It was like yeah. we were on food stamps. Mm. We were having, there's something called NECAC out here and it's like they help you with all of your bills. Like we were behind on rent for like 16 months and our landlord, he was, you know, he wasn't very involved because he had a bunch of properties, but he even came out and said, hey, what can we do to get you back on track? People were talking to that version of me and yeah, I have a great camera, you know, and I'm walking into these rooms with millionaires and people think that maybe, you know, they don't think anything of that. Sure. And it's, but it's not their responsibility to think anything of that mm -hmm. because I wasn't portraying a person like that, mm -hmm. but I was still portraying someone who was inauthentic. Sure. And being inauthentic, instead of saying, hey, I'm trying to figure all of this out, I need help. Mm. but I don't know how to ask for help and I don't know what help I need. When you're at that point, you don't feel confident telling anyone that, let alone telling you that. And I've known sure. you for a while. Sure. Yeah. So I had to learn all of these things mm. and learning that relationships matter and giving matters, giving more than I receive matters. And mm. Just try. Tr yeah. Walking, I, I guess we had an experience last year um, where me and Sierra were on the verge. I wrote about it in a post recently. Um, and we were in St. Louis on the hill, and Sierra and the kids were almost kidnapped. They were almost trafficked. And that was last year. We didn't have God in our life. Mm. And that was November. Mm. Um, we're still processing that. But it brought me to God. Mm. And I needed to go to church. I needed to figure something out because I almost lost the one thing. I didn't realize how important it was to me until that moment. I knew it was important to me, mm -hmm. but I thought that if something had happened, if she wanted to break up with me, you know, I'd be fine. I'd just get back on my grind and figure things out. Mm -hmm. But realizing, like, I almost lost the people I was closest to. I mm -hmm. spent the last half decade growing with and just loving and raising these young boys. It killed me. And I had to completely reroute what Starseed was and wh what I stood for in, in the business perspective. Mm. So I, I stepped back and I spent a lot of time with millionaires, um, just seeing what they do, seeing how they acted, seeing the people they surrounded themselves with versus people who were posing as millionaires who were, I mean, under crushing debt. Mm-hmm. And seeing the difference because there's that hustle and grind nature, but there's a difference when, when it's just grinding mm -hmm. and there's nothing in the grinder, you know, you're not mm -hmm. making butter anymore. <laughs> so it's like, you need to refill that, like, you know, find that n new source of nuts or whatever you're turning into butter. Yeah. And it was stepping away from the people who I thought I wanted to be like. Sure. And embodying, just trying to be like God. Mm. Or Jesus, sorry, not God, mm, but mm, trying mm. to walk like Jesus and mm. forgive like Jesus, love like Jesus, love my enemies. Mm. And find out what that truly meant, not egoically, mm. but what it truly meant to just forgive and like to forgive myself because I didn't realize how much I hated myself mm. until I started finding God. Mm.
Man, that's an incredible story. It, it taught me a lot about business. Yeah. Well, no, I think it all obviously like plays in together because like, on, as you mentioned, like on the outside looking in, anybody can front whatever story they want, whether it's the Australian accent or it's the millionaire, you know, business when, when you're right. A lot of these people are not making any money. They're in massive debt. They're doing all the things that like society portrays as being successful as an entrepreneur. And, and that's one thing I've had to learn like too as well is like you can have all the freaking crap in the world. You can have the business, you can have the money, you can have the lifestyle. But if you don't have like the foundation, if you don't have the family, if you don't have the support, if you don't have, you know, your your faith, it really sucks. Cause you feel whether or not people know it, you you're the one that knows it. And you're the one that has to put your your head at the pillow at night and be like, man, I am living an inauthentic version of who I am. And it sucks. I think it's a blessing to even be able to be cognitive of that. Of course. If you can be cognitive that you're living, like you're living actively in the wrong state of mind, that a magic pill isn't going to just make you a multi-billionaire, but it takes grinding down mm-hmm. and figuring it out. Even if you're in like a lot of debt, not being like, hey, it's going to change one day and it's all going to be different. It's like mm-hmm. It takes one day, it takes one deal to make that difference. Mm-hmm. No takes years and just like recalibrating who you are what you want to do because if we're not embodying who we really want to be mm. doesn't really matter yeah I, I sold one deal earlier this year for $950 a month we talked about this mm. and I was doing it for the money mm. to provide a base for my family because we were not in a good place a moldy apartment it was like 600 square feet for four of us plus a cat it was not a good place for us. And doing it out of survival got me nowhere. Mm. But doing it like, hey, I want to help bring people's visions to life. I want to be the person people go to when it comes to cinematic stuff. I don't want to do funny content. I don't want to do like talking head content. I'll have a team for that that's fantastic so I can still bring that those kinds of things. But my focus, I want to tell stories mm. and find out who has stories to tell. Yeah. So now it's about me building a program that I can make residual income, which me and Sierra are figuring out, so I can take all of that like money that we come in and I can start building on to telling other people's stories and not relying on them for money. Sure. Not like, hey, if you want me to tell your story, it's going to be 30 grand. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, hey, I have money and I want to tell your story because it's incredible. You might not be a billionaire yet, mm-hmm. but you're someone who's out here making a difference yeah. and you're embodying who you say you are. Mm. That that's what I want to do. Yeah, that's exciting. So as we wrap up the episode, man, I mean, this has been incredible. Like I've learned so much about you, and I'm really glad we did this because it helps me. You know, I was like getting to know people that that are in my circle better, and um, I learned a lot just about things I need to think about. And so I know, like, this has been. A, I mean, this will be. I don't know what episode it'll be, but we're close to 100 episodes. This is probably one of the, if not the most unique episode. We've had some crazy episodes, but (laughs) one of the most unique episodes that I think truly like end to end, anybody listening will have an impact. So I appreciate you sharing that. But talk to us as we kind of wrap everything up about what your plans for the future are. I know you touched on some of the cinematic stuff and kind of where you're going, but like talk to us about like what 2024 and beyond really looks like for you. So I think the next step 
um, outside of business, it's buying land. Mm. Um, there's a place, Defiance, Missouri. It's beautiful. And me and Sierra came up with this idea, like those weird uh, cubicles you see, like mm. on Avatar. Mm -hmm. Those cost like 10K each. Mm. Mm. And buying like eight to 10 of those and just like building them together and just while we build our big house that we want, mm -hmm. starting off there. Because it costs like $100,000 and we could have like four to 5,000 square feet of yeah. space and live in a really cool area yeah. in the forest. Yeah. So that's a goal. Um, upgrading my car from that Kia Optima to, you know, a truck mm. would be optimal. Um, and doing around five, half a million to three quarters of a million this year. Realistically, I'd like to do that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to be too difficult just because our first year we did 5,000 the whole year in our business. And our second year we did 30,000. Mm. Um, and this year we're wrapping out over 100,000. So I'm figuring out what I need to do and figuring out what I want. Mm-hmm. So next is finding a, a Samson Studios space. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if I ever told you. You know the Millennium Hotel? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make Starseed Studios there. Mm. But it really fits with Samson Studios mm -hmm. because it's a pillar. The yeah. building is shaped like a pillar. And yeah. Samson Studios, it was like a, when I thought about it, it was like, oh, so, That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, just growing yeah. again and building more relationships, connections. I'm working on a documentary now called Million Dollar Bar Game, which is insane. There's this game that it's an arcade golf game that people have been playing for the last 30, 40 years, mm -hmm. uh, 35 years. And in Rolling, Rolling Stones wrote an article about it in 2013 that it had given away $50 million in cash prizes. So I decided to dig in and meet some of these people who are playing. I interviewed a guy who's been playing off it, living off of it for eight years, and he makes around two to $300,000 a year comfortably. And we've met people who make multi-millions playing this game. It's like the best in the world. And it's an arcade game. Yeah. So now it's just about connecting Gen X and the boomer generation who are in there playing this arcade game mm. with millennials mm. and Gen Z, mm. seeing if we can get them to play this game not mm. necessarily drink go into bars but actually get back out after covid because covid crushed a lot of individuals and now yeah the u.s surgeon general he said that a new pandemic was coming and it would be a pandemic of loneliness and isolation because mm. that's what people are doing now that's what our generation is doing yeah so fighting that that's what i'm going to be focusing on this year and growing with clients and Learning what ROI means for my clients. <laughs> yeah, that's so, big, man. Yeah. Well, no, I'm I'm really excited. Again, glad that we had the chance to do this episode. It's been incredible just to watch your all's journey over the past, you know, year and a half. And and I'm excited to see what you guys do in 2024 and and beyond. And uh, thanks again for coming on, man. But where can people stay connected with you in Samson Studios online? So we just bought the SamsonStudios.com. Awesome. Um, we are Samson Studios on Facebook. Awesome. Um, we are the Samson Studios on Instagram and on LinkedIn. Awesome. So we'll put all that stuff in the show notes. I'll make sure that people can get connected with you as well on there. And uh, yeah, man, thanks again for coming on. This is great. Thank you. 
And I want to thank you again to the audience for tuning in to today's podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share our content. Leaving a five-star review goes a long way. We'll see you all next week. And remember, entrepreneurs aren't born, they are brewed. I'm an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs aren't born, they're brewed. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Adam McChesney. Let's